Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More. We are talking in the studio about John 3.16, the one of the most famous texts in our Christian worldview. Um, it's Dr. Dennis Wiles, Luke Stair, and me, Katie Reed Hodges. Uh, it's a meaningful conversation about how this text takes place in its context and how it can color our life in Christ. So join us, and we're glad you're here. Okay, well, we are here, and we're talking about John 3.16. Hmm. It's just never a, heard of it. I, Tell me more. It's a brand new verse. I've never heard it before. <laughs> looked, I've looked right over it all these years. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever quoted this verse. Yeah, why, put, Pastor? Put it on their why face, did you choose? Why did you choose this text of all texts to preach? Yeah, yeah. might as well preach from Habakkuk. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's this John? What's this three sixteen? We need to make sure everybody's holding these signs up. They need to know what it says. They need to know. know. They do. I think you did a pretty good job explaining it. So, well. Um, I think John 3.16 is a fascinating. It's like, well, later in the summer, you've got you've assigned text to us. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm preaching Romans 8, which also is just very familiar. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can be a real challenge to preach because mm-hmm. it's everybody thinks they know everything about it. Mm-hmm. Right. As in there's, they're not necessarily think curious. They're not entering it with a curiosity. And so right. I think that can have its own challenges. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, okay, there's some places I would like to go. What do y'all think? Oh, the places we will go with Katie in charge. Uh, Kate, take us there, Katie. Let me guide us. <clears throat> Hop on the bus <laughs> and we'll go. go. Well, okay. I, I wanted you to talk, Pastor, if that's okay, about we. you did a very nice job, obviously, explaining John 3.16 to us and giving us kind of some some exegesis, some context. But I, the I would like you to talk to us about where it lands within the book of John, mm-hmm. because I think often we quote John 3.16, mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily know where it lives in mm-hmm. the original story mm-hmm. in which it was written or told. Mm-hmm. So do you mind telling us mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I mean, John, you know, the early part of John, he's uh, he's focused on um, just the the signs, if you will, that Jesus is giving to uh, authenticate his messiahship, you know, so he'll even say like the wedding at Cana, and this was the first sign, mm-hmm. you know, and so some people would refer to that first section of John as the book of signs, so to speak. Okay. So Jesus is engaged in this messianic ministry, and he is evidently performing these signs, and so the word is getting out about him, obviously, that, you know, um, um, sometimes it's hard to go back to that first century and try to imagine what life was like and the the kinds of the, the worldviews that dominated that part of the world and even some of the the superstition and the whole interest in the um in in the things that were eternal or things that were beyond us if you will you know the greek and roman explanation of the world and all the gods and goddesses and then the jewish understanding of god's work in history so you know, you, you think about if someone is doing some of the, of the things Jesus is doing, word starts to travel within the Jewish community because it really wasn't that large of a community. So, mm-hmm. you know, these rabbis and teachers and synagogue leaders, um, since many of them, if they were close enough, went to Jerusalem, at least for the major feasts and festivals, you know, they were all having conversations with one another. And so there was conversation about this this miracle worker, you know, this mm-hmm. this guy that's mm-hmm. saying things, and evidently 
you know, we have to let the synoptic gospels kind of help us out a little bit. You've got a, you've got some more material about mm-hmm. what Jesus is doing in the synagogues. You know, that's the, the other three gospels. Yeah, the, sorry, so, yeah, the yeah, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Mark and Luke. Yeah. They have um, more similarity than John, right? <clears throat> it's I'm sure. I'm sure. Way. I'm sure our listeners know that. Yeah, but I just a reminder. So. Yeah. Um, but but if you think about. Jesus is in his home synagogue. Jesus is, is going and teaching and preaching. Mm-hmm. So people are, bless you, people are, <coughs> they're hearing. Um, Excuse me. That's all right. They're, they're hearing about him. So it doesn't surprise me that someone like Nicodemus, who saw himself as somewhat of a protector, if you will, mm-hmm. of the, the the things of God and the people of God, he he evidently decided he just wanted to go find out for himself, you know, who, who is this Jesus? And and I love how the, the the text starts, you know, when when you go back and look at John 3, um, verse 1, uh, Nicodemus is, is referred to as a member of the Sanhedrin, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's one of the rulers of Israel. But he comes to Jesus at night, and he calls Jesus rabbi. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, Nicodemus, think about it. Here's this guy who commands respect, even by how he dresses, he would have, in other words, if Nicodemus went to the grocery store, so to speak, everybody would know he's a member of the Sanhedrin. This is not some anonymous person just walking around right. Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> so they would know this man. He comes to Jesus, and I have no idea where the disciples all sitting around listening to this. You know, it's funny how when you, if, if any of you have watched The Chosen, um, Dallas Jenkins paints it a little differently. He has this this meeting room set up where it's just Jesus and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is is sitting at this table with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it all played out, but regardless, yep. I can only imagine if some of the disciples were there and they see this guy who they all know is one of the 70 men that rules them, right. <laughs> refers to Jesus as rabbi. Mm-hmm. And then he says, we also know you're a teacher. Again, um, Giving Jesus his cred, cred, street cred here. We, obviously, yeah. you're a teacher. Yeah. And then he says, you've come from God because I have enough theology to tell me nobody can do what you're doing unless God sent you. Mm-hmm. So um, you're right. I didn't even talk about that Sunday morning. Um, yeah. I just went straight to John 3.16. But I think there's a whole lot to take in right there well, about just Jesus. Just the beginning of John yes, 3. And what's yeah. even going on. Yeah, just so we, that's, I mean, you've just described verse one and two of John three. <laughs> right. I mean, the, where the, this man, right. Nicodemus, looks at Jesus and says, Yeah, truly, Rabbi, yes. obviously, yeah. you're a great teacher. You, and you've come from God. And you've come from God. And I'm coming so, at night to talk to you. Right. Presumably, just what was because face, he was, right? because he worked all day and he was only off at no, night or? No, I don't, I do not think so. Um, In my uh, semi professional opinion, yeah, I would probably agree with you. I think he's coming at night. To not attract, to like, like face, I said, right? I'm not sure Nicodemus could go anywhere without an entourage or people following him right. or people knowing where he is. No, this seems more so I think this investigative, is stealth, yeah. if you will. I, that's a good word mm-hmm. for it. Um, which to me even says something about Nicodemus that to me distinguishes him from his colleagues because many of his colleagues didn't mind calling Jesus out in public. They were mm-hmm. constantly trying to trip him up. It's almost like... It's Nicodemus' attempt to be stealth, but I also feel like it, in some ways, it's almost a, a statement of respect to Jesus that he's not going to try to trip him up in some public conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, who do you pay taxes to? Yeah. Or what's the greatest commandment? Yeah, he's saying, it's like, obviously, you're a great teacher. Uh-huh. Where, what's going on here? <laughs> he's, I, believe, yeah. I really believe that's what he's saying. Yeah. What is the deal? Who are you 
because my theology is telling me this is not some a Greek priest. Huh. That that's not what right. we're watching here. Yeah. This is someone from God. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's very fascinating to me. And and it even says nobody could do this if God weren't with him. So again, it's the whole statement it. of respect. But then Jesus goes straight to the heart of of what he wants Nicodemus to learn. Yeah, he doesn't wait, than, he doesn't waste much time, does no, he? No. <laughs> he just straight straight into here's what I want you to know. I want you to know this. Um, when you look at verse three, you you have to be born again if you really want to understand and see what I'm about to and do. And I'm looking at it in front of me. Is that the double yeah. amen? Because yeah. I see truly, yeah, truly true. here. That's the, double, that's, the, that's the amen, amen. 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 Yeah. yeah. Amen, 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 amen. You need to be born again. Which, once again, how do you think Nicodemus would receive that? Because he knew what that would mean, I'm sure. Yeah. That this is like, this I'm, is I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm telling you what really is the truth. Yeah. And the, you've and, got to be born again. And, <clears throat> and that statement, obviously, judging by Nicodemus's reaction, is not language that right, they use. Right. I, I would, mean, it's not like he— It would have been foreign to Nicodemus. Well, that's what it seems like because he says, yes. what do you mean? Yeah. You know, I almost think Nicodemus's response would be, why would a Jew need to be born again? We, we have been born oh. already. Yeah. <laughs> and so the only birth that I needed was to be born a Jew. And I've right. got that. And I've got so it. It's so it's almost like I think Nicodemus is not being disrespectful, but I think it's almost like, oh, you mean like go back in your mom's womb? I mean, yeah. what, what is it you really are trying to say to me? Um, and so there's this acknowledgement, I think, of who he is, if you will. And again, this is Nicodemus's worldview. You think about a worldview. I'm going to talk about that some at Faith at Home um, with our adults. I think part of a worldview begins with who who are we? You know, that's kind of how you begin your understanding of reality. Well, who is this man? Well, this man is a son of Abraham, and and he has been given the responsibility of overseeing the spiritual life of the people of God. And all of a sudden now he's encountering this teacher that he has to acknowledge. I think I think maybe Nicodemus might have put it like this: You're doing things that none of us are doing. Mm-hmm. So who are you? <laughs> you know, again, Dallas Jenkins's take on that in The Chosen is Mary Magdalene, in, at least in his version of the story, is just um, uh, possessed by all these demons. And there are people in the community that know it. And in Dallas Jenkins's version with The Chosen, and some people get upset with him because they think he takes too much editorial license. I think he's just trying to provide first century context that so many of us have nothing to do with. Yeah. Right. Nicodemus in in the chosen goes to the home of Mary Magdalene and he tries to heal her and he can't. And then he sees Mary Magdalene later on the street and she's in her right mind and he looks at her and says what happened to you and she says well this is Jesus <laughs> and he's like so in other words he's doing things that I can't do. Now who knows but he, he at least acknowledges Jesus is doing things that he knows he hasn't been able to do. That's mm-hmm. probably what I would say. And and then Jesus goes straight to the point. Well, you know what, Nicodemus? Here's the thing. What I'm bringing is something brand new, something you've never heard of. You have to be born again. Now, I think the kingdom of God would have been, you know, within Nicodemus's vernacular. Yes. Um, um, Scott McKnight translates it empire of God, which I find quite fascinating mm-hmm. instead of kingdom and I, I think it's yeah. What's he trying to do? There? I think Scott's point is we don't understand kingdom. That's just not a word for us. Mm-hmm. That um, empire sounds more um, 
germane. He even thinks it would even been more germane in the first century. No, I'm not sure about that. But nevertheless, I'm not going to argue with Scott McNaught about that. He, <laughs> you can. He spends a little more time in the first century than I do. <laughs> um, but uh, kind of like Todd Steele. Um, but when Nicodemus asks him, okay, so how how can this be? And then Jesus, and I do think this is what Nicodemus is interested in, verse 5. What? How do you enter the kingdom of God? Um, I, I want to be in the kingdom of God. I'm a child of Abraham. And so Jesus says, well, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to be born of the water and born of the spirit. I think, so I think Jesus is saying there's there's a sense in which you're born as a human being, but that birth you've already had is not enough. Mm-hmm. Even though you're a child of Abraham, you've got to have something miraculous happen in your life that's even beyond your ability and capability. Mm-hmm. And it's beyond your pedigree. Mm-hmm. It's something only God can give to you. And then that's, of course, going to live live up, I mean, create the context for finally John's comment, which I do I do agree with most scholars today that this is John, not Jesus talking when you get to verse 16. Yeah, mine's got red letters. Yeah, some some do. Most modern translations don't anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just an editorial decision. I'm good either way, but I probably lean a little more toward it being John's commentary, to be honest mm. with you. So, but regardless, yeah. still in the Bible. So, you know, it's not like the red letters are the only ones that matter. Somebody well, sings sure. about red letters, don't they? Somebody sings a song about it. It's a DC talk. That was DC talk. Oh. I had that I had that CD in high school. It is red. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I would yeah. sing it, but, you know, I got this cold. Okay, sorry. And, you know. Yeah. It's been um, a long time. <laughs> but, um, but. that Yeah, that's a throwback. Okay. Now, I also think, too, what's fascinating to me in this exchange, though, and I, I, it's hard for me to, to tru- truly ascertain the tenor of it, because when you get to verse 9, after Jesus says, you've got to be born of the Spirit, and, and you know, the Spirit goes where the Spirit goes, mm-hmm. and then Nicodemus says, verse 9, well, how, how can this be? And it, mm-hmm. I feel like the tenor... Yeah. How do you read Does that question? Does it shift to, in verse 10? I don't know. Luke, I'd be interested in what you think when Jesus says, so you're Israel's teacher and you don't know these things. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that feels like. Yeah. Is it a quip? You know? Yeah. I mean, that Jesus just kind of. Yeah. That's hard to. Turns is the, this a biting remark? Is this uh <laughs> Or is it more of a, so seriously, you mean you're Israel's teacher? You don't even understand don't this. don't know this? Or is it a, and so here you are. Dressed in your regalia, in your, you know, like like when you go visit, um, uh, like we we were flying one time through Dubai, and we get off the plane. Well, mm-hmm. all these folks had been on the Hajj. Well, they've all got the red and white scarves. You know, I'm talking mm-hmm. about that that the Muslims yes. wear, and it's and wear them very proudly. And I, I get it. I'm not criticizing it, but it's like they they're letting you know they've they've done their pilgrimage. It's almost one of Jesus looks at him and goes, "Here you are, dressed in your robe." And your scarves, and you don't and your know mark, this, and you don't even know this. You know? This is the basic <laughs> That's stuff. Right. This is this is kindergarten almost, and um, huh. and so it's just a. I'm I'm not sure about the tenor of it, yeah. but regardless, he then calls Nicodemus back to the scripture and says, you know, the story of the serpent being lifted up in the wilderness that provided the healing for God's people. That's what I'm talking about, Nicodemus. It's it's belief in a path that God has given you and the path is the path of new birth. Mm. Then the commentary by John, God loved us so much that he gave Jesus so that we can have this new birth. So mm. I guess that's how I see it playing out. I think that's good, helpful context. One of the things I like that you did in your sermon is you walked through. And so if someone in our congregation was listening very intently and memorized every word, they would have memorized a pretty solid explanation of the gospel message. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But given that most of our people are not sadly sitting down and memorizing all your words, full <laughs> confession, I'm not one of those people either. It's all good. How You know, John 3.16 is a great place to start. So if you're thinking of, you know, how do you share good news, which hopefully you feel compelled to do as a follower of Jesus. Right, we've got these signs, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, this summer, John so 3.16 you hold signs. up your sign, someone takes a picture of you. Hey, what's this about? Mm-hmm. What's this about? What do you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's what, you know what I love about it? It starts with the love of God. That's probably why I, maybe why I find John 3.16 so appealing. Mm-hmm. It starts with God's love. It doesn't start with um, sin or your brokenness or your inability to do this, your shame. All that comes Mm -hmm. because Jesus died for us. But it starts with the love of God. And I think what a great place to start in a conversation with someone. Everybody wants to be loved. and, And certainly if there was any hint in your life of believing in a God, I think you would want him to love you. And so I think it's a great place to have to start. Maybe even ask the question of people. Well, you know, John 3.16 starts like this, for God so loved. What do you think about that? What do you think about God's love? Do you believe God loves you? You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and God loved this world. He loves the people of this world, everybody in this world. And he didn't just talk about it. He shows you. He demonstrates. It. He's given. And he didn't just give anything. He gave his son. I mean, he gave that most precious part of him. And, um, and so believing in him, that's the path to life. And I think people want to be loved, and I think they want to live. Well, John 3.16 has all of that in it. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say to our people as you have a chance to, to share this with someone, you know. So when we talk about life in John 3.16, mm-hmm. none shall perish but have eternal life. In mm-hmm. English, we kind of – it's one word for a lot of things. But in the Greek, it's a little more precise. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us more about that word there? Yeah. I mean, the word – we get our word eon or aeon from it. And like I said Sunday morning, um, uh, words found many times in the New Testament – Scott McKnight translates it era life. Mm-hmm. And and the reason he does that is because he he is dividing the world into eras, which mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to that. Okay, but tell us more. You know, um, uh, help as, me help as, me understand. As long as you connect the kingdom of God to the age to come or the era to come, I guess is what I would say. Uh-huh. If to use Scott's term. Well, actually he would call it the empire um, of right. God. The empire <laughs> the age to, to come. come. Okay. Yeah. Help. So, I'm getting there. I'm getting um, there. Translate it. But as I've said many, many times here at this church, I believe in inaugurated eschatology. I believe that the this present evil era— So much that did you hear one of the youth, Chelsea was explaining something in the Bible study for the summer camp, and one of the youth came up to her, or interrupted her and said, you're talking about inaugurated eschatology, right? <laughs> That's part of their vocabulary. You so did it. <laughs> you did it. At wow. least one. Wow. For, for that one starfish, you really <laughs> I feel really good about myself today. But, yeah, so you, you're a big but proponent of inaugurated that, that eschatology. This era that we're in is this present era, this present age, and I believe the age to come has been established and has is, and is penetrated, if you will, and intersected this current era. Right. And we're now outfitted for that final era. Right, and that's the one that'll last forever. And so we talk about life, like in I know a little bit from taking Greek in um, seminary. <laughs> why, why that word escape me? But you know, there's life that's kind of just like my blood is pumping, yeah, like yeah. more biology, bios, yeah, right, life, right. But this, he's more talking about, yeah, like the life that we we want you you to have full, right. that meaningful which animates you absolutely. Life, it's yeah, everything about you is alive, right. And and that's what I, I again I love about this text. It's so simple. But the fact that if you want to use Scott's terminology, this era to come, 
it's it's an era that's forever and it's not just forever you actually live forever so mm. that that's what struck me as i realized that jews have various views historically about the afterlife so what i was reading if you didn't this, know for example <laughs> sadducees did not believe in the resurrection pharisees did that was right. one of the big debates it's in jesus's time conversation for them absolutely and and you know the it, what's really funny is it's almost like the Sadducees were the real fundamentalists. If you think about it, I mean they were the they were. I mean, you think Pharisees were fundamentalists, but yeah. actually they were kind of liberal compared to the Sadducees. Sadducees were liberal socially, right? I would say just because of their you know willing to be in cahoots with the Romans. You say cahoots? Is that a wrong sure. word? No, no cahoots. Cahoots with the Romans, yeah. you know. But but they only accepted the first five books of the Bible. So to them, you know, they pretty much had things narrowed down. But, uh, you know, the, the Jews have various views on that today. So, uh, as I mentioned Sunday, I was reading this article in, on religious news service over the weekend, uh, actually earlier in the week, rather, um, from this rabbi answering the question, what happens when I die? You know, is there life after death? And his answer was, well, yeah, you live on through your children. And you live on through your stories. Mm. You There's almost, um, I don't know, and, and I, I know, Luke, you've taught a lot of world theology and all that, or, or different the, theologies. Sounded fascinating to me that th that this was the answer. You mm. just live on through fill in the blank. And I was thinking, no, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I actually want to live forever. Right. <laughs> Not legacy or memory Correct. or yeah, impact. Yeah. yeah, which I'm happy for all of that. All of that matters well, to me. But I want to that live. That exist. Yeah. And I think that's John three sixteen. You're going to live this life, flourish fully with everything God has for you, forever. That's that's uh. I mean, what a what an incredible gift, and and the thing is, you know, we're outfitted for it. I mean, for eternity, God's just designed us that way. I think everybody has a longing for it. Um, you know, uh, Philip Yancey wrote this book, "Rumors of Another World," and it's it's where he talks about how he's in this world and he sees this world, but he keeps hearing whispers of something right. else mm -hmm. that he can't quite, mm -hmm. you know, he tries to figure out why do I keep hearing that? I get all the bad, but also get all the good. And his answer is, well, there's another world, you know, and mm -hmm. connects that to eternity. I, I like that image. Yeah. So, that's compelling. Yeah. I think it is. So, Much yeah. better than uh, Turner burn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I appreciate too. I think, I think one of the things Luke, continues to bring to us at our church is a holistic this loop right here loop stare hmm. oh, a, hey. a holistic hey. perspective on the gospel i mean sure on the one hand there are some facts that are a part of the gospel that are inescapable My such goodness. as well the atonement the fact that our sin has to be covered mm. it's just just a fact yeah, there's the, no easy just, way to talk about the forgiveness it. of sin right yeah. it just it is what it is but but it's not like God's just, I mean, it sounds terrible to say it this way, but I think you mean what I mean. You know what I mean? It's not that God is just rescuing us from hell. It's, it's miraculous. No, it doesn't <laughs> stop there. <laughs> right. It's right. That is. It's it, like That's good news, but it's even better. Yes. And that's what yeah. I appreciate about you, that it's a holistic statement and explanation oh, of the gospel. Gosh. That What else do we love it's, about Luke? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, we can keep it's going. It's offering <laughs> us a, a life. You're going to live forever. You're not just going to be safe from hell. You're actually going to live. You're going to live fully forever. Yeah, it's and, not just about, I, I don't know if this is grace and mercy, but it's not just about what you escape from. Right. You know, what you don't have to deal right. with. As good as that is. But, no, that's, that, but that's like a, no. but that makes it, yeah. you're just back to neutral. I right. mean, kind of, right? Exactly. But there's this whole right. abundant, right. beautiful thing, better than anything yes. you've ever It's like, if, I, yeah. like if, you, if you rescued a person out of prison, 
great. But and then they're just standing by the road, like, okay, I'm out, I'm free, but what? Yeah, no, no, this is a this is a a house with many rooms, exactly, a banquet table, exactly. And I I think your best your best day. Yeah, I think people want to hear that. I think they it's compelling. They want they want want to people want to live. I mean, well, you you can corner a rat, and somehow another it'll turn and fight you just because it wants to stay alive. Yes, there's something in us, and so that that. that compulsion to live to me is 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 something the Lord's just put in us. And it's more than just stay alive. I think it's to flourish. Yeah, and that's what I, I think that's the difference to me between like the bios life right. and this abundant life mm-hmm. in Christ right. that we're offering the world. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that Jesus lets us be a part of yes, his offering absolutely. to the world. And, and, and that's what I think, thing. you know, and if we want to praise Luke some more, I mean, I'm always there for I mean, it. I'm here for it. <laughs> but one, happy birthday last week, Luke. Thank you. Luke is one year older. Wow. Yep. Well, and but I think that's one which of the from things. From my perspective, is not saying much, but go ahead. Yeah, Luke still. <laughs> it means a little yeah. less every year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite half your age, but it wasn't that long ago. Mm. Um, but I think that's one of the things Luke is trying to craft here too: is that we create community or, mm-hmm. or pockets of community mm-hmm. that reflect life in Christ, the mm-hmm. abundance and the joy and the mm-hmm. security mm-hmm. of living in community and life, mm-hmm. and how attractive that is. Mm-hmm. My gosh, you get that mm-hmm. rolling. Right. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to be a part That's of that? Right. And know? even these the habits, Yeah, they, building these yeah. habits into your life. I mean, yeah. you think about a guy like Nicodemus. If there was anybody who had habits built in their lives, it Ooh-wee. would have been somebody like yeah. Nicodemus, you know? And yeah. I think, so here's Nicodemus, and it I sense within Nicodemus a hunger. Why else would he have come to Jesus? It yeah. was more. more it would have been theology. so easy to stay with the other sixty-nine Sanhedrin <laughs> exactly members. Right. That's and right. Just poke holes. Exactly, because you know they could have, yeah. um, and some of them did. But the fact that um, that Nicodemus, I think, was hungry, just speaks to me. And that's why when when we went um, when we were in Rome this year, and uh, we you know we took this extra day and kind of went exploring and went to this little town outside of Rome, Atavieto, which I'd never been to before. Nor, was, nor have I. Yeah. And uh, well, it's on, uh, it's up on a, it's kind of a fascinating town because it's on the top of just a huge rock formation that just is cliffs off mm, of it. And cool. so one of the popes built a um, kind of a fortress up there so that the, you know, troops that were marching through Italy could not scale the cliff to get to the Pope is kind of what happened. And it's a really fascinating town. It has this crazy well that where they had to drill down to get water. And and the Pope hired these engineers. And one of the problems they were having was the the as they were going down, the 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 animals were bumping into each other coming back up. So this guy crafted this um some engineer crafted this staircase that's a double helix, I guess you'd call it. You mm. go down one side and you go up the other and you don't you, you you cross each other but you don't meet on the same path if that makes sense. Fascinating. Yeah, it really is. It's, yeah. a, it's a very interesting place. But at the very top of Ottavieto is um is a um um uh, I guess you and I'd probably call it a cathedral. They don't use that word there, it's a domus as they would call it. And beautiful, very ornate church right at the as Hannah used to say, the tippy top <laughs> of the of the rock, if you will. And you go inside it, and it's it's beautiful. Uh, Michelangelo even went there and, and studied some of the art in it. But we're we're just making our way through. Don't really know much about it. I, to be honest with you, haven't even read anything about it. I just we just somebody mentioned it to us. We went. I thought it was cool. You had to actually ride this little um, little tram kind of thing 
up the side of the mountain to actually get there's a there's a modern city of Altavieto, but like Rick Steve says, who wants to go to it? They're they're everywhere. Right. He tells you when you go there, go ride the tram and go up. It's worth mm-hmm. it. So Love it. Ride, I would listen to any advice Rick Steve yeah, gives. Let's right. go ahead and take good. it. Right. So right. Yeah. Go up there. Well, we're walking through this this cathedral, this church, and we come to its most famous statue, which is a Pieta. And it's Mary holding the body of Jesus, but behind her is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus mm. is standing there and he's holding the nails from the, from the cross, you know. And, uh, and there's, a, I think, if I remember correctly, I think there's a ladder there, I guess, that they use, but whatever. And we stood there and we looked at it, and I finally looked at Cindy and I said, That is Nicodemus. Mm. You know? Mm. And because, you know, we've just, we've just been in Rome and seen Michelangelo's Pieta, which is, you know, it's one of his earliest statues, but it is incredible those of you who've seen it. And I told Cindy, I said, okay, I love Michelangelo. I love Rome. This is my new favorite Pieta, <laughs> you yeah. know, because you get to the end of John's Gospel, well, and, that's what we, and there's Nicodemus. Yeah, that's, that's what I, yeah. I mean, you talk about his curiosity and even the tone mm-hmm. of the conversation. Right. Knowing what we, knowing the end yeah. that he does. Yeah. He comes back he comes in daylight. Back. I was about to say, yeah, in daylight, powerful. in front of a Roman ruler. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, right. and he's still dressed in all his regalia, so everybody knows who he is. Yeah. And he helps claim the body of Jesus and buries it. So I would just say, all of us as Christians, when we get to heaven, um, and however that works, we need to go thank Joseph and Nicodemus because they buried our Lord mm-hmm. when nobody else yeah. would. Yeah. And so, and think about it, what kind of faith did they have? We didn't, we didn't have a resurrection. There was no resurrection. There's no resurrection. All we have is a dead Jesus. Mm-hmm. Man, that sounds terrible to say, but I don't mean it disrespectfully, but I'm just saying yeah. that's all they had. Yeah. Well, they were there for Jesus at yeah. his arguably lowest You point. got it. And so yeah. there's Nicodemus hearing this teaching from Jesus, trying to figure out who he is, believes he came from God, and now the Romans have killed him. And to his credit, he goes and gets his body and anoints his body for burial. Gosh. So Those thank few- you. Those few days are just so fast. I mean, oh, I know that's not imagine? what this is about, but mm. what about John 3, not John 20 yeah, or whatever John it would be? John 20 and John 19. Yeah, but my gosh. Uh-huh. Anyway, another yeah, day. It's powerful, though. But it Yeah, just, I mean, the rawness of these people and their actions in those times. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we we will never exactly know because we exactly see the whole right. picture, but man, it's powerful. So, I love it. Yeah, so when you look at John three sixteen in its context, mm-hmm. you've got this wonderful character of Nicodemus, mm-hmm. truly curious, at least it seems. Mm-hmm. and And... And Jesus, yeah. or John's commentary on Jesus right. at that point, just saying, "This is what's going on." God, and then, and then right after that in the text, yeah, you get John, so John the Baptist. Well, in John three seventeen, yeah. even I yeah. mean, you know, mm-hmm. just don't go right. much further. So yeah, it's just fascinating it the way it's all lined up. Yeah. You go so. from Nicodemus to this kind of crazed, um, Cindy's favorite character in the New Testament besides Jesus. This locust and honey kind of. John the Baptist, this other kind of uh, (laughs) Jewish (laughs) rabbi. And then you go to the woman at the well in Samaria. I mean, I'm thinking, what what an interesting contrast of people on two pages of the Bible. So, listener, it's time to go read. Yes. The Gospel of John. Maybe a good little, well. a good I little mean, argument to have John as maybe your favorite gospel. 
I don't know. I'm just saying. It's, it's compelling. It is. It's beautifully yeah. written. It he's is beautifully orchestrated. He's one of my four favorite gospel writers. Oh, that's so nice. In the definitive <laughs> ranking, he's he's, in the he top made four. it. He is. You have a favorable <laughs> opinion of him. So There were others. They did not make the cut. Uh, uh, that is yeah, true. Listener, you can read those, <laughs> and, it, right. and it's quickly obvious why they did not make the cut. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of mystery around how the Bible got you put got together, it. and then there's not much that's mystery. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wow. well, uh, it's a beautiful text, and obviously it's changed our Western culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so ingrained, and, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah, and, and, and I'm ha- I'm happy with our people getting their pictures made with oh, John 316. So, Keep taking those pictures. Keep yes, sending them in. Yes, I'm loving seeing I love them. It. Well, Luke, anything else? It's one of our shorter podcasts, it but, shorter but it feels complete to me. It feels like a good, I don't know, it's just a meaningful John conversation. Yeah. If yeah. people are asking you questions about your science, remember the best way to keep the conversation going is by asking a question in return. Yes, we want to genuinely know people. I like it. Meet them where they are. I like it. Love it. A little missiological nugget at the end mm-hmm. from, from our boy Luke Stare. There we go. Love Amen. it. All right. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.